I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Kind of having an identity crisis today. I don't know what to do with today's show. Everything is going on. All of our teams are doing something. The Brewers are playing well. The Packers got camp. And the NBA draft was last week. Free agency was yesterday. Even the Badgers. Like, we have a lot of Tucker news. And Sam Decker's back in the association now. Like, I don't, I'm having an identity crisis. Because normally when I come in the studio, I'm like, today is a Brewers show. We're a Brewers show today. We're a, we're a Bucks show today. Right? We have, we have an identity. We have something to lean on. I don't know about today. I'm looking at my show rundown. Looks like somebody watched a bunch of Wisconsin sports teams and then threw it up all over a couple of sheets of paper. We're going to get to a little bit of everything today. It's going to be kind of a beautiful mess, as Diamond Rio once said. Not Aaron Rodgers. That was beautiful mystery. Diamond Rio was beautiful mess. Very important difference. So I don't know if this is a Brewers show or a Bucks show or a Packers. It's got a little bit of everything today, which could be fun. We're going to bounce around. It could also be really random and be kind of a mess, but that would be fun too. So let's see. Well, let's give it a try. See how it goes. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had a wonderful day. And I'm glad you're here. I would love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. On the talking text line, send me a text. Give me a call. You can tweet at me as well. Follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. I've had to been glued to Twitter way, way, way too much for the last few days because the trade deadline, so there's always news coming in. The Lakers have signed every 36, 37-year-old in the league. And I last week, in jest, I, I was saying that I feel bad for L.A. sports fans with the Dodgers and with the Lakers, with Russell Westbrook. I Even more today. You got Melo and Trevor Ariza. I'm sorry. That stinks. I feel bad for you. What a what a disgusting team. What a, what a gross team. They just gave a big contract to Taylor Horton Tucker, too. I don't know how they managed to give him all that money, but I'll probably learn on Twitter at some point today. Anyways, yes, I've been glued to Twitter nonstop. So if you want to tweet me there, I think that's why I originally brought it up. You can tweet me and follow me at Wisco Grant. Going to talk with David Gasper, reviewing the brew at 435, Tuesdays with Gasper. A little bit on the trade deadline, big picture. Not just brewers, but the trade deadline, I I feel like I still need a cigarette after last Friday. I I didn't know what to do with all of that. We had 10 All-Stars, I believe, when all was said and done that changed teams, including three from the Cubs. Like, the Cubs just trade superstars all over the place. That makes a big difference in trade deadline when one team with a bunch of stars just decides, you know what, we're going to trade them all. Throws a bunch of fuel onto the fire. So I, I still feel like I'm reeling and recovering from the trade deadline last week. And I want to talk about that, the aftermath, and what it means for the league as a whole. Is it a good thing, bad thing? I think it's great. I surprisingly read a couple of people this weekend and today. It's like, actually, this isn't good. This is bad for baseball. And they cited quotes from executives and people in front offices who were like, this is this is too much stratification. There's the good teams, and then there's the garbage teams. I think that's always been a problem in baseball. I don't think that's necessarily a trade deadline issue, but we're going to talk about that at 4.30. Among Brewers topics as well, because lost in everything, John Axford is back, for God's sake, as if there wasn't enough going on. We need the, the franchise leader in saves from like 20 years ago to come back and join the team. So I, we got to talk about that too. 
I almost forgot that. Yeah, John Axford pitched last night. Brewers won. It's a bummer he couldn't finish the inning at the end, but Craig Council wasn't going to let that get any messier. Brewers won last night 6-2. So we'll talk Brewers and trade deadline. Big picture stuff, too, with David Gasper at 435. Some Packers stuff in the second half of the show. Now, it's August 3rd, and I think most people turning on their radios today, or maybe you're listening afterwards on the podcast, most people would expect to talk about training camp, the Brewers, you know, August things. But I am full of surprises I like to be unpredictable. I like the show to be unpredictable. I want to start with the NBA. Yup. But only for like 10, 12 minutes, and then we'll move into other things, I promise. So basketball isn't your thing. If you suffer through this for 10 minutes, I'm going to try to make this very entertaining and very educational as well. Because I I think there's a lot of nitty-gritty details that need to be discussed with NBA free agency and the way that the Bucs especially have maneuvered some of these contracts. Yesterday was wet and wild. I love this league. So many players change teams. And it wasn't all predicated on one superstar player. Because we've had NBA free agency periods that it's like, oh, it's the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. And then everything else is kind of secondary. That wasn't the case this year. Who was the biggest prize? Kyle Lowry? That sign and trade magically coming together in all of about 30 seconds. Once free agency opened yesterday. Really, uh, Pat Riley, efficient negotiator. Must be. Because, I mean, if he would have done it ahead of time, then it's, tam- it's, it's, tam- it's tampering, right? That's what I've been led to believe. So it was nuts, and it wasn't predicated on just one player. It wasn't the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes or the LeBron sweepstakes. It was all of these different moves, and it was really fun to follow. I want to start with our Bucks, the reigning NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks, And then if we have time, maybe a few other moves and teams, although I don't think we're going to have time because I want to get into the Brewers at, at 420 and then get to David Gasper. The biggest move for the Bucks, and maybe one of the bigger moves of the day for the NBA as a whole, at least for a role player, Bobby Portis is back with the Bucks. Maybe that's me being Buck-centric to be like, oh, it's one of the biggest signings of the day. I think it's significant, though. The reigning champs retained probably their most important bench player, somebody who brought a lot of energy and was a big part of this championship run, and it was a player that almost everybody assumed was going to leave. So I think Bobby Porter's coming back to the Bucks. I think that's one of the bigger deals of the day. Now, maybe it's not as crazy as what the Bulls have done. They got DeMar DeRozan earlier today. Or the Lakers got Russell Westbrook. Like, that's certainly the marquee. That's the big moves. But if you're talking about the three or four title-contending teams in the league right now and the moves that make them up, Bobby Portis is a pretty big deal in the fact that he was able to come back to the Bucs. Two years, $9 million, which on a per-year basis or an average annual value is about four and a half million bucks, right? And the second year is a player option. So we'll see how this year goes. And if Bobby's like, hey, let's do it again. I'll come back. Or if he can go make more money elsewhere, maybe he'll opt out and and finally go search for that big contract like we thought he was going to do this offseason. Two years, $9 million, a yearly average of $4.5 million. Now, John Hollinger, who writes for The Athletic and does player valuations, right, based on their performance, their statistics, their, their wins above replacement, how much are they valued? Not how much are they worth, right, because the market is going to dictate a lot of that. Right, like, is a quarterback in the NFL, was Matthew Stafford ever the best player, the best quarterback in the NFL? No, but it was his turn to get a contract. And the market dictates that when a quarterback like him gets his contract, he's the highest paid. So the difference between what Bobby Portis was going to get and what John Hollinger mathematically computed that he's worth, two different things. John Hollinger had him valued at $6 million per year. Now, that doesn't account for the market. That doesn't account for what happened in the playoffs. So we all expected a little bit more than $6 million. I don't know, maybe nine, $10 million a year, probably on the high end. He came back for four and a half. Any way you spin it, any way you describe the numbers and the transaction of Bobby Portis coming back, he took a discount. And this is something that heading into the, the 
not the deadline, but I guess the opening of NBA free agency yesterday, something that Milwaukee and, and ownership in the front office was progressively feeling better about. Like, hey, there's a growing sense of optimism that Bobby Portis wants to come back and take a little bit of a hometown discount. Eric Name and others reported that. That turned out to be the case. Bobby took a discount, right? You can spin the numbers. You can talk about average annual value and player options and what's guaranteed and, and what's not. He took a discount to come back. Now, I got a text yesterday on the talking text line. I don't remember who it was. I could scroll back and look, but that's kind of beside the point, and that would derail this conversation, which has started out very well. I'm having a good time talking about the NBA. I got a text yesterday wanting some NBA cap explanation. Like, hey, can you break down how the NBA salary cap works? This is not my area of expertise. Math in general is not my area of expertise. And to be honest, the NBA salary cap and the exceptions and the loopholes and the details that that make up the NBA salary cap really can't be explained in a radio show. Like, you, you need to apply it to situations because there's so many twists and turns that you can possibly cover it all. And I'm certainly not the person to attempt to cover it all. But in the context of this Bobby Portis deal and some of the other moves that the Bucks made or didn't make in the last 24 hours, I will explain because it's important. So strap in. Here we go. Grant's about to do math per request from somebody yesterday on the talking text line. The way Bobby Portis structured this deal is huge. Not just the grand total of how much he's making, but the way that it's structured and the way the Bucks are paying it out. It's huge, and it can make a big difference for the Bucks in the next couple of days or weeks as they look to round out the roster. Bobby Portis signed using something called a non-qualifying veteran free agent exception or a non-bird type contract. Now, bird rights or a non-bird or a full bird, there's a couple of versions. Bobby Portis is a non-bird which is why he's a non-qualifying veteran. Now, bird rights is something that a player gets if they've been with the team a couple of years, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. But Bobby Portis had only been with the Bucs for one season. So he's a non-bird deal, which means he's a non-qualifying veteran free agent, right? That exception, that tool that the Bucs used to sign Bobby Portis is a deal that's about 120% more than his previous salary, which is 3.6 last season. So they bump that up a little bit more. They go four and a half million, about an increase of 120%. This allows the Bucks to keep other parts of their salary cap protected and usable on other players. They still have their 5.9 taxpayer mid-level exception. If you don't know what that is, a mid-level exception for a tax-paying team is a tool for teams in the luxury tax to still be able to add somebody. It's like, okay, well, I know we're over the salary cap, and we can't sign anyone long-term. We can't do a big deal, but let's go find a veteran who likes what we're doing and wants to join. Not going to make a lot of money. We can give him $5.9 million bucks, at least this year the way the CBA and and the salary cap works. That's the taxpayer mid-level exception. It's a tool that teams can use. That's how the Bucs got Ersan Ilyasova in 2018. They used that exception to get him. And the way that Bobby Portis structured this deal via a non-qualifying veteran free agent exception allowed the Bucs to keep that $5.9 million intact. So they could still use that on somebody else, which is a huge deal because they could go find somebody else. Financially, that's the rub. That's how the Bobby Portis deal works and why it's great for the Bucs. X's and O's, we saw that side of Bobby Portis in the playoffs, right? He can play real playoff minutes. Some of the guys, not so much. Like Bryn Forbes can give you good regular season run, give you bench minutes, give you some scoring, some shooting, but in the playoffs, mm, not really. Moment's a little bit too big for him. And in the postseason, we realized moment's not too big for Bobby. Moment isn't too big for Pat. Well, maybe game six, because the moment in game six did look too big for him. But up until then, he was just fine. He looked fat and cocky and confident when he was out on the floor, even in the playoffs. Same with Bobby. So the rest of this offseason for the Bucs and the way they round out this roster 
should be attempting to find one or two other playoff guys to go with Giannis, Chris, Drew, Dante, who will be back, Pat Connaughton, and Bobby Portis. They have six guys, the way I see it on their roster right now, who can step in and play playoff minutes. Now, other guys on that, they added Rodney Hood. They added Semi Ojale. Those are guys who might be used in matchups in the postseason, but probably not heavily. And guys who will eat a lot of minutes in the regular season to get through the slog of, of 82 regular season games. Now, moving forward, they need to find hopefully another guy or two to play in the postseason. I guess P.J. Tucker wasn't part of those plans as another playoff rotational guy because they let him go. P.J. Tucker signed for two years, $15 million with the Heat last night. Now, more cap details because this is important. We talked about a non-qualifying veteran free agent exception. That was Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis had to sign via that exception because he only had one year service time with the Bucs. He'd only been with the Bucs under that contract for one year. P.J. Tucker was different. Because P.J. Tucker was with Houston for three years, and the Bucs acquired him. So he had all this service time built up with one team, or under one contract, which changes the way that the next team can pay him. The Bucs held what's called P.J. Tucker's bird rights. Full bird rights, meaning three seasons or more. There's full bird, which is three season. There's partial bird, which I think is just one. And then there's non-bird, which is nothing. That's what Bobby Portis signed. But P.J. Tucker is different. The Bucks held P.J. Tucker's bird rights, meaning they could pay him as much as they want all the way up to a maximum contract, and it doesn't count against the cap. So if Miami wants to pay him two years, 50 million bucks, even if the Bucks can't fit that in the salary cap, they can match that. They could go more because they hold his bird rights. It's an advantage a team has when they've held a player for a long time, three seasons, and it's kind of to throw the bone to a player. Hey, look, if you stay and you accrue three years of service with one team on one contract, or you're traded and you, and you play out that contract for three years, you have the advantage. If you want to come back to that team, they can pay you more, right? So that's, that's, uh, that's a little bit of encouragement to stay with one team and under one deal and not request and, and want to go elsewhere. And the Bucks hold those rights. So they could have paid P.J. Tucker as much as they wanted, salary cap be damned, but they didn't. The Bucks had those rights. They could have all up to a max deal if they wanted, which they wouldn't have done, but they could have. Right? The Bucks chose not to pay. This is the same thing that happened with Malcolm Brogdon a couple of years ago. They held Malcolm Brogdon's bird rights. So even though they were tight financially, they still could have paid Malcolm Brogdon as much as they wanted. They elected to not do so. Same with Chris Middleton. They could pay Chris Middleton as much as Chris Middleton could be paid because they held his bird rights three years or more service time with the Bucks, And they did so. Now, they can't use that money on anyone else. They can't use what they would have paid P.J. Tucker to pay another free agent because that other free agent doesn't have the bird rights in Milwaukee. You understand? That's money that can only be spent on Malcolm Brogdon, only be spent on Chris Middleton, and only be spent on P.J. Tucker. The Bucks elected not to do it. So P.J. Tucker is out, and I think that's just fine. Here's why. P.J. Tucker worked well in the context of the 2021 NBA playoffs, the playoffs that just ended up. That doesn't mean I want to pay him big money to move forward and play in other playoff series. Reason number one, he's an offensive zero. He gives you nothing on offense. No handling, no passing, no ball dribbling, no creating, nothing. He's a below average corner three-point shooter. And that impacts spacing. Because if you don't have to pay attention to to P.J. Tucker, now you can pay more attention to Giannis, right? And Giannis requires spacing in a way that most stars don't. P.J. Tucker was okay in this postseason because the Heat were a terrible offensive team, so the Bucs didn't need to score a ton. The Nets were down two of their top scorers, so the Bucs didn't need to score a ton. The Hawks just weren't as good as the Bucs, and same with the Suns. They weren't an offensive juggernaut the way that the Nets could have been or the Golden State Warriors with Durant could have been. Moving forward, 
I don't think the Bucs can play four on five offensively. They can't play against the healthy nuts with P.J. Tucker. They don't have enough firepower offensively. P.J. Tucker is 36, and his specialty is physical, strong defense. Pass. We'll find somebody else. You can find another defensive ace, the trade deadline, or get him off waivers or something. Now, the finances are important here because this is another argument for keeping P.J. Tucker. You can look back at this decision with Brogdon. Despite their full ability to keep him at whatever number, they chose not to. They held his bird rights. They chose not to use those. The Bucs could have kept Brogdon on the books for trade value because in the NBA, you need to match salaries in a trade. For example, if the Bucs wanted to trade for Damian Lillard, who makes about $44 million a year, they need to send $44 million in salary back, which is really tough if you have a bunch of players making little amounts of money. Now, if you have a fat Malcolm Brogdon deal to send in a trade, that's cool. If you have a fat P.J. Tucker trade to send in a deal, that's cool. Then it could work. P.J. Tucker could have been stashed as trade currency, but why would a team want to trade for P.J. Tucker? Let's say a superstar is unhappy and becomes available. The Bucs now have salary to match with P.J. Tucker, but if the team is trading a superstar player and looking to rebuild, why would they want 36-year-old P.J. Tucker? That's not attractive at all. We'll find something else. It's not like you could pair him with anyone either. It's like, oh, we'll give you P.J. Tucker and Dante DiVincenzo. No, nobody, nobody wants that. So let the Heat spend their money on him. I thought the Heat way overspent on everyone yesterday, and they locked themselves into a mid-level seed and probably a first or a second round exit for the next five or six years. Have a good time. Good for you, Pat Riley. Take two of these. Call me in the morning. You know which two fingers I'm holding up because Pat Riley's the worst. He tampered yesterday like the Bucs did last year, except the Bucs were the only team that was punished for it. Let's move on. I want to get into the Brewers, but that's free agency for the Bucks explained in detail some of the finances and some of the dirty details that made those two moves work, bringing Portis back in and letting P.J. Tucker go. Let's get into the Brewers. I just want to talk about Escobar because he's awesome and I love him. Let's do that next. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. They say, you know, for me, I'm so happy to be here. So I say again to, to everybody, thank you for bringing me this opportunity for me. It's very important, you know, I say again. So I'm bringing my best energy every day. You know, I'm coming here, play hard every day, help the team win. And, you know, I've been enjoying, you know, I'm so, so happy to be here. You know, I say you, a lot of people see a lot of focal power now. Escobar guy. I get used to watching him. Big home run, a triple, a couple of walks last night. Just light work for the Brewers acquisition at the trade deadline. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A couple of NBA housekeeping things. Free agency started yesterday. The draft was last week. I can't just ignore basketball. I know we did nothing but bucks for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, they did win a championship. It was warranted. But I'm sure some of you are like, oh, Grant, I just... I really just want to hear sound bites of Mercedes Lewis do that. Well, you're in luck. I'm going to do that in an hour. We're going to hear from Mercedes Lewis because he's actually pretty interesting, and I do enjoy listening to him talk. So that's coming up at 5.30. David Gasper coming up in 10 minutes, reviewing the brew. I'm going to talk brewers, but also just state of baseball, trade deadline, things. You know, just two baseball guys chewing the fat, really, about all sorts of things. I don't know if John Axford is going to be on the team by the time I talk to Gasper. I have a question written down. I have a theory about John Axford that I'm not sure if it's true. Um, I actually heard a caller bring it up on Ebo's show this morning. I was listening to Ebo's show. It was like 8.30 this morning. And Brenda, our friend Brenda in Madison, called Ebo with a theory on John Axford. And I think Brenda's right. But I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want to jinx it. And I also don't want to be wrong. (laughs) 
I have I have a suspicion that John Axford is not long for the Brewers. Like maybe within the next ten minutes, he will not be on the Brewers anymore. But if he is, we'll talk about it. Or if he isn't, with David Gasper coming up in ten minutes, reviewing the Brew. I just want to appreciate this Escobar guy for a couple of minutes before we speak with Gasper. I I love his story. I loved that interview last night with Sophia Menard after the game. Sophia is so good, by the way. We just have to get that out there. We have to remind ourselves Sophia Menard is awesome. Imagine being stuck on the Diamondbacks, who I like the Diamondbacks. I think if I couldn't be a Brewers fan, I would probably be a Mariners fan and a Diamondbacks fan. Those are the two teams that I really, they just, they get me. I, I don't know what it is about those teams. Maybe they just lose a lot, and I'm used to that growing up watching the Brewers, but really relate to those teams. So it's not an anti-D-backs thing. It's not an anti-Phoenix thing. Right now, though, kind of, because the Giants are amazing, Dodgers are amazing, Padres are amazing, and then there are the Diamondbacks. Has to be the most depressing team in baseball to be on. And Escobar was an all-star, playing really well, hitting the ball harder this year than he ever has before. We're talking about hard-hit balls and barrels and just kind of toiling away in the desert for no reason because the team is garbage. And then to come to Milwaukee... And to be playing under the best manager in baseball. And to, to be, come to a team that, like, they know what they're doing. Right? Like, they have an identity. This is our mission. This is how we go about our business. I don't know if we're going to win a World Series. We might not even win a playoff game. Might not even make the playoffs. But we have direction here. And, of course, it helps to be in a much weaker division, the NL Central. We also get a Twins fans connection with this guy. With this Escobar guy. An excuse to talk baseball with our Minnesota friends. Which is nice. Because if you try to talk Vikings... With Vikings fans right now, they just get toxic. I tried to talk to a coworker about the Vikings today, mostly because none of their team is vaccinated and they're all getting sick. And then they, they cut Jeff Gladney today for obvious reasons. So we have a, a less contentious topic to talk about. We can talk about Eduardo Escobar and how he's with Minnesota and they love him. Now he's with the Brewers and we love him. Something to, to relate over with our Minnesota friends, which sometimes we need, even though this is the Wisco Sports Show after all. I still can't get over this Brewers team and how they operate and how they went about making this decision to bring in Escobar. And I will play you this David Stern soundbite one more time. I still have it saved. I might never delete it. I might get this on a flash drive and keep it in my room under my pillow because I love it so much. One of the things that we are trying to accomplish prior to the 30th is preparing ourselves for the unknown of what could happen over the next two months. We don't have the luxury anymore of of plugging holes in August. And so redundancy everywhere is really important, especially for a team that has aspirations of making the playoffs and and um, hopefully going deep into the playoffs. And so we, we've added a player that gives us a very high level of redundancy uh, around the diamond. And I'm not sure there's another player available who, who can really give us that level um, of support at, at every position. Redundancy. Oh, you mean more than one good player at some positions? What a fantastic idea. I think the Packers over the last decade, much like the Cubs, they just just didn't happen for them. Didn't come together at the right time. Injuries slowed them down. And then when they had good opportunities, they just didn't execute and the players didn't pull it off. I'm not saying, oh, the Packers never tried hard enough. But like, also, what if they would have tried a little bit harder? If you redo the last decade of Packers football with that mindset, mindset of redundancies and every trade deadline we're thinking about the playoffs and every offseason we're thinking about the playoffs how can we win in January and February not how do we go 10 and 6 11 and 5 and get a good seed and maybe a home playoff game no forget about that 
How do we win in the postseason? How do we win the big games? And the Brewers right now seeming to be thinking about that. Now, it may or may not work for them, given that the Dodgers are fantastic and the landscape of professional baseball is a little different than football. But you get my point. Considering every possibility, right, injury, and the other team's going to make a move. I mean, the the Brewers are like, hey, we could have an injury on our team. The Dodgers are no doubt going to add someone. The Padres are going to add someone. Maybe we have a little bad luck in one game. We want to be prepared for whatever comes up. The Brewers, to a certain extent, seem to recognize that you make your own luck, too. The Brewers don't want to get to the end of the season and Luis Urias breaks a finger and can't play, so they don't have a third baseman, and they're like, oh, darn, it wasn't our year. Oh, no, David Bakhtiari blew out his knee. It wasn't our year. Like, no. You make your own luck to a degree. It's like, maybe if the Packers this year would have been like, hey, we're going to make the NFC Championship game. Maybe we'll lose an offensive lineman. And you know what? Maybe Aaron Jones will fumble on the five-yard line. How can we prepare for that possibility? Who can we add? What can we tweak to make sure we're as prepared as possible? The Brewers are doing that. I'm not trying to turn this into an indictment on the Packers. It's hard not to, though. I just would love to replay the last 10 years of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers with that mindset. We need redundancies. Playoff teams are deep. They have to make tough lineup choices. We need more of that because that's how the Buccaneers went about it last year. I understand their situation is very, 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 very different. So nobody yell at me. I know it's apples to oranges to an extent, but 10 years, I mean, you can find some apples and some oranges in those 10 years. You can find some comparable years where the Packers maybe didn't plan ahead enough, weren't aggressive enough. You've heard this spiel before. Let's get connected with David Gasper, reviewing the brew, talk some trade deadline and talk some brewers coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We've done the Bucks already. We're doing Brewers right now. We're going to get into the Packers in an hour. And if you got out of bed this morning and you're like, damn, I I need to hear from Mercedes Lewis. Like, I, I'm upset that I haven't heard from this week. Well, <laughs> it's your lucky day. We're going to hear from Mercedes Lewis at 530. Some really cool quotes. He's an interesting dude. I would listen to him host a show or a podcast or, or something like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, which normally I don't do with press conferences. Cody texts in and says, Grant, watching Eduardo Escobar is like, a kid finding a stray puppy at the park. I love the puppy, but I know my parents aren't going to let me keep it. That's, why don't you host a show? It's a fantastic analogy. I feel the same. I felt the same about Bobby Portis too, and he's back. So we just talked about, uh, Derek sent me a meme. Derek, I uh, appreciate that. And Mad Mike is taking pictures at the Dane County Airport. It looks like the Patriots plane is there. So that's what's going in on the talk and text line. Mike, can you hop the fence? I know it says it's illegal, but hop the fence. Get us more details, please, on why the Patriots plane would be at the uh, the Dane County Airport. Thank you all. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Our next guest, our weekly guest, Tuesdays with Gasper. Twitter at DGasper24. David Gasper, what a great time to be a baseball fan. And what a great time to be a Brewers fan. And what a great time for you to join the show. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, it's, it, things are, are going great. And, you know, it's... It was a pretty wild last week or so. Yeah, I want to start with the trade deadline because it's fun. I don't know that I remember a trade deadline like this before. I think the stat that I saw, 10 All-Stars change teams, which we've had busy trade deadlines before, and we'd have stars moved. But last week, it felt like years and years and years of of stagnant trade deadlines and off-seasons, and it finally just all happened at once. So why don't we attack this from two angles? We can start with the Brewers, but we can also talk about how the day was a huge win for baseball. I think it was an entertaining deadline I haven't seen in years, and I think the Brewers got exactly what they wanted. So what do you think of the deadline 
from last week from both of those perspectives? Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty much spot on. I mean, the, the excitement and the movement was, I mean, really good for baseball. I mean, it, it's a pretty deadline-driven sport. And when you look at, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these other sports and free agency or whatever else, most of the moves are made in kind of a flurry, like all at once. NBA free agency. Most of the moves are, are all at once in the in a few days. NFL free agency, same thing. They're all kind of within uh, a few days at the beginning of it. And for baseball, their offseason, their free agency isn't really like that. It's more kind of a trickle, um, certainly at the beginning, you know, maybe a, a decent amount in a row at the winter meetings. And it's just kind of, you know, trickle here and there, uh, signings happening the rest of the offseason. They don't really have everything happening all at once like they do at the trade deadline and, and everything just kind of coming down to the end. And it, it was coming in fast and furious. I mean, there was like a half hour stretch where we saw like like 10 trades. Uh, yeah. within, like it was just one after another. You barely had time to react to the last trade that went down. And then there was another one that happened. Um, so it was it was great to see. Uh, it was great to see for, you know, the excitement level around baseball. A lot of teams going for it this year. A lot of teams buying. Some teams just completely selling off and starting a rebuild, such as the Cubs and the Nationals. And, you know, that I, I think it's good for baseball to see that those kinds of guys moved. And, you know, as for the Brewers, they were involved a little bit in it. You know, on, on the final day when there was that big flurry, the Brewers made two moves. They were, they were for two not super heralded relievers. Um, but two guys that can be really solid for them down the stretch. They're, they're not stars, but they really help out this team and what they need. And the few days prior, they got Eduardo Escobar, who, as we saw last night and, and as we've seen since he's come over, uh, he's been providing exactly what this team has needed as well. Just some pop, some pop. And he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has in his career. And I dug into the advanced metrics, Gasper, which I, oh. I hope impresses you, the barrels and the hard hit balls. And like, he's yeah. hitting the ball harder than ever before. Maybe because Arizona just stinks and he's like, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna swing hard and if I hit it great like maybe that maybe that was the strategy with the Diamondbacks because they've been at the bottom of what's a really good division. You said it's great for baseball and I agree, but not everybody's saying that. I read a piece today and I feel terrible because I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's either Eno Saris or Eno Saris Saris. Eno Saris. Eno Saris. Thank you. I knew you would know. He put out a piece today talking about how this was crazy for baseball and this is what baseball needed. But there was a quote from an executive in there talking about how this creates empty teams. Right, it creates empty teams and super teams, and this huge gap between the two. I don't think that's a trade deadline problem. I think the haves and the have-nots thing. I think it's a structural problem in baseball that's existed for a while because some owners just they don't care. Right, they're content to just cast the check. They don't really want to win. I don't think that's a trade deadline issue. I just think that's an issue with baseball. How do you react to that perspective that all of the movement and all the buyers and sellers that that's actually a bad thing? What would you say to somebody who would want to argue that? Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think what it is, I mean, like you get to this point in the season and there's going to be some teams, even if they were trying, such as perhaps the Cubs, if you believe that they were trying this year or not, that recognizes like, hey, it's not happening for us this year. Uh, the, the best course of action is to trade our movable assets and get something to help us win going forward. I think that's what happened with, with the Cubs. Um, and and it, it happens with a lot of sellers. You know, some sell big, some don't. You know, the Rockies, for example, didn't really sell big despite them probably needing to. Yeah. Um, so their team isn't empty or more empty than it was before. However, they're still going to struggle and, and just kind of makes things worse for them. Um, and that happens every single year. I mean, there's teams that are winning and teams that are doing well and teams that aren't. You know, even if everyone's trying for it, someone's going to be at the bottom. 
um, and it makes sense for them to to do trades. And yeah, the the teams that are uh, competing, the teams that are buying, they're going to try to get better players and and try to win the World Series. So you know, I don't really see an an overall problem with them. I mean, that's something that you can more look at a an overall team built team building thing. But when it comes to in season, um, you you just got to recognize where you're at for that year and, and try to you know see like is something going to happen this year or should we just look ahead to next year already? On that topic, before we get into the Brewers, do you agree with what the Cubs did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it needed to happen. Um, they they had really kind of been uh, treading water the past couple of years. They hadn't really been doing as well as everyone expected them to be, especially with such a talented core group of guys. And it was becoming clear that they weren't going to sign those guys to extension. Now, you could argue that the Cubs front office was lowballing their stars. You know, the, the reported offers to Anthony Rizzo and, and Chris Bryant um, were, were pretty low uh, for what they've brought and, and the talent that they bring. So, you know, they, they put themselves in that position a little bit sure. um, where, where they kind of had to, but you know, what they got back in all those trades in terms of prospects, it's going to help them reload a lot faster and become competitive again a lot faster. And it's going to be a lot more than whatever they would have gotten in a competitive or, or a compensation draft pick uh, next year. Losing them in free agency. No, I feel that. I, I thought, I, I don't know, I I was angry at the Cubs, and I was like, I feel for you, Cubs fans, because I thought maybe you do a little bit more of a soft rebuild. You trade Baez, you trade Kimbrell in your bullpen, and then you build around Rizzo and Bryant moving forward, but I don't know. Not a, mm. I, Listeners didn't agree with me. A couple of Cubs fans didn't agree with me, which surprised me a little bit. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Let's do Brewers. I, I want to talk about Eric Lauer who pitched last night because I think two or three weeks ago I asked you, I'm like, what do I say about Eric Lauer? If someone were to ask me, never watched the Brewers, didn't know much about baseball, they're like, hey, I'm going to go see Eric Lauer at American Family Field this weekend. What should I know? Like, how would I describe Eric Lauer? He's becoming more consistent. And I think he's a piece that when we get to crunch time in September, October, like, he's a piece, whether as a short starter, an opener, or as a bullpen guy. I'm liking what I'm seeing from this dude. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing a whole lot better lately, and and that's been really great to see. Um, Lauer's making kind of most of his opportunities. He's kind of been uh, back and forth and kind of a tandem thing with uh, uh, Hauser as they kind of, you know, mix and, and eat some innings. Um, but I mean, he's been getting some, some opportunities and, and he's done well. I mean, it, it was the pirates that he was pitching against. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the greatest competition, uh, but you know, he still did really well. He kept them in check and, uh, did pretty much everything that he needed to do. Dropped down a great bunt, by the way, uh, for a base hit. Um, so, you know, he's, he's been, you know, fairly productive. Um, and you know, he was the opening day starter for the Padres once upon a time, uh, not too long ago. Uh, but that's before they completely rebuilt their rotation. <laughs> that's before Still, they got good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he he's a solid back end uh, of the rotation type guy. Um, he's, you know, if it gets to the postseason, he's going to be more pitching out of the bullpen. But, um, you know, he's he's proven himself, you know, to be pretty pretty solid when given some opportunities. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Hauser a couple years ago uh, when he was kind of in – in the bullpen to start, and he finally got some opportunities uh, to, to to begin games, and um, you know he he took it and ran with it. So perhaps the same thing could happen for Lauer. Lauer seems to have a bit of an edge with him, and maybe that's his role, and maybe that was the case with Hauser early on because Hauser would go opener, you know, bullpen up down. I'm sure that's frustrating for these players. The Brewers have decided that that's what's best is we're going to use him in multiple roles, and eventually they'll settle in the starting rotation. 
But maybe that lights a fire with a guy like Eric Lauer a little bit. It's like, well, when I get my chances to start, I'm really going to go all in. Whereas, like, the guy with Brett Anderson, I don't get an edge. I don't get that sense from him for obvious reasons. He's been around for a while. You know, he's a veteran. But I, I do like the dynamic and the personality almost that comes through with Eric Lauer when he's pitching. We got to talk about John Axford. You were there last night. If you would have given me a million guesses, like, hey, this week, these are going to be the stories around the Brewers. You could have given me a million guesses, and I never would have said, oh, maybe they'll bring John Axford back. You were there last night. Talk about that for a sec. And, like, I don't know how much longer he's going to be on the team, honestly. I haven't checked Twitter. Maybe he's still there. Um, but I don't know if he's long for the Brewers. But last night sure was cool. It was. It was really cool. And, um, you know, I, I would not have guessed that he would have been uh, brought back either if you had given me a million guesses. And that's not who I would have thought they'd have gone for. Um, I almost forgot he was still pitching on uh, AAA, to be honest. Um, but no, like, like when they made the trade, you know, it just kind of brings back, you know, some of the nostalgia, like, you know, it's been, you know, a decade since he was like the guy in the Brewers bullpen, uh, in 2011 and, you know, bringing him back, like, that's really cool. That's, that's when I kind of decided and, and I called my dad, I'm like, Hey, we should, we should go to the game tonight. You know, they're, they're probably going to bring in the ax man and like, uh, that's going to be really cool to see. So yeah, we, we were there and, uh, Sure enough, you know, Eduardo Escobar hit his uh, three-run homer about seven rows up from where we were sitting out the bleachers there in, a, in in right field. And, you know, then as soon as they got that six-run lead and it seemed like it was it was time for the axe man and they brought him in and they, they had the old intro playing, you know, with, with the with the axe and, and, you know, his old intro music, you know, still going with it. Um, so it was really great to see. It was really hype. It, it was unfortunate that – uh. He ended up uh, getting hurt after one third of an inning. Got got one out and hit a guy. Gave up a couple of uh, base hits. You know, it wasn't really super hard contact, but uh, great to see him back. Unfortunate to see him leave with injury. Uh, he said that uh, he felt some pain in the back of his elbow. The Brewers uh, just announced like a minute or two ago that he's going on the IL. Angel Pro Angel Perdomo has been recalled uh, to be in the bullpen. So. You know, it, it didn't last long, and, you know, who knows uh, what will happen when he is ready to come off the IL, uh, if they're going to keep him around or, or what they're going to end up doing. Um, but it, at the very least, it was good to see him back in a, in a Brewer uniform one more time, have him come out in the ninth inning to, to his entrance. Yeah, uh, it, it was just so fitting. Well, and I wonder, the video that they played on the scoreboard, did they have that saved on a flash drive somewhere in a drawer? Probably. In the office somewhere? Yeah. They're, they're like asking all, all the, the old uh, jerseys and everything and, and the old strikeouts from 2011, 2012, uh, all that stuff. He, they, they had that in there. So All the bags. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And, so yeah. much nostalgia right <laughs> really? there. It's just it like, is. you know what? Let's bring back Brian Schaps. Yeah. Let, let's bring back uh, Francisco Rodriguez and all these guys. Yeah, that's funny. Well, and... And, and on a Monday night against the Pirates, too. Like, at the end of the year, we're not going to yeah. look back and think, hey, I that turning point of the season it was actually Monday night against Pittsburgh. Um, and Brian Reynolds has this amazing catch. and all, Like, no, it's a very nondescript game, but that's part of why baseball is fun is, you know, you have 160-plus of these things throughout a couple of months. Last question, something I talked about yesterday. I think the Atlanta series, by the way, we're talking with David Gasper reviewing the Brew. This weekend, the Brewers won, coming from behind, scoring a bunch of runs on Friday, a close game run prevention defense pitching with Brett Anderson on Sunday. And I watched that weekend series and I thought, okay, we're seeing the Brewers display that they can win multiple ways, right? Like if they get into a postseason game and their starting pitcher isn't great, they're not dead in the water. And I think part of that is bringing in Eduardo Escobar and always looking to add and, and being aggressive. 
what is your sense of this Brewers team right now? If we were to fast forward in the playoffs start today, what have they shown you recently, especially around the deadline in, in the last week or so? What have they shown you, and how would you feel about going into the postseason right now? What kind of team do you think they are in in the context of the postseason? Yeah, I mean, in, in context of the postseason, I, I think they're a really great team and, and one that's going to be really difficult to beat. I mean, you look at that rotation and how well they're pitching. I mean, you throw out the, the combination of Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta – uh, to go through a postseason series, and you're in a really good spot. I mean, that bullpen, um, they've kind of been cutting through their depth, like currently with the COVID IL, but, you know, with the addition of Curtis and Norris, uh, that, that bullpen is pretty strong and pretty deep once again. Um, and then, I mean, the, the lineup is just lengthened so much by having Eduardo Escobar in there in, mm-hmm. in the cleanup spot, switch hitter. Um, and, and when you get Yelich back, and, and if you get him at full strength, um, and, and hitting like MVP Yelich can be uh, by the postseason. I mean, you you can have Yelich, Adamas, Escobar uh, in the middle of that lineup, two, three, four, um, and you, that, that's a really, really strong uh, middle of the lineup. I mean, it it, it pushes Avisil Garcia and Rowdy Telez down to the six and seven spots. Ooh. I mean, Lorenzo Kane would be your eight hole hitter. I love that. Um, it, and and that's just kind of where adding Escobar really lengthens this lineup and, and gives them a really solid one through eight uh, to put out there pretty much every single night. And, and if you can get MVP Yelich um, in there and get him going, then this team is completely scary uh, for anyone else in the postseason. So uh, that's going to be really, really fun to watch. And hopefully Yelich can get to that level uh, by the time we get to October um, because the way the, the pitching and the rest of this lineup is right now, it's scary for the postseason, even without uh, Yelich at that level. Yeah, we'll forget his average to below average season very quickly if he comes back and starts pouring it on in the final month and, and heading into the postseason for sure. Redundancies, as David Stern said, up and down the lineup. Gasper, I can't tell you, I jumped out of bed this morning excited knowing that you were coming on the show tonight. It was fun to talk about the trade deadline, and we're getting down to it, man. Like, every time we chat, uh, and every time we connect over the Brewers, it's going to be more and more serious, and the playoffs are getting closer, and it's feeling really real. So I appreciate you as always, man. Talk to you next week. Yep, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Grant. Awesome. Take care. Take care. Gabe Gasper, reviewing the brew. I'm not kidding. I did. I exploded out of bed this morning. I was in pain. I, like, I didn't do it enthusiastically. I forced myself, but I did explode out of bed, and I'm like, tonight, Gasper, Brewers, trade deadline. Trade deadline or draft and free agency in the NBA. And Mercedes Lewis gave a press conference. So, God, yes, we're going to listen to that. That's coming up at 530. We're just getting started tonight. Follow David Gasper on Twitter at DGasper24. We'll come back, wrap up with some of those Brewers thoughts, rehash a couple of those things we just discussed. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Going to get back into the Bucks NBA free agency in a couple of minutes. Thought we'd put some closing remarks, closing touches on that conversation we just had with David Gasper reviewing the brew. Twitter dgasper24. We're getting down to it here, folks. It's August. Playoff pictures starting to take shape. The sellers are backing off. The buyers are going to start to pull away. The Dodgers, of course, have like a 99% chance of making the playoffs. Right, so some of these things are starting to look like certainties. Some of these outcomes are, are starting to look probable, if not uh, possible. 
right? We're starting to transition into that phase, and we're starting to look for playoff tendencies in these teams. We're watching the Brewers differently, or at least we should be. And this is something I mentioned yesterday, and I don't know that, like, this is some magical line you cross when you get to August 1st. It's just the way I thought of it. We should be watching this team differently now. It's no longer, oh, uh, Billy McKinney, what a great diving catch in right field against the Mets. Okay, he probably won't be on the team in three weeks, but, like, that sure was fun. That sure got me through a tough work week. Right, we're changing the way we watch this team. Although John Axford pitched last night, for God's sake, so maybe maybe it is the same thing. John Axford went on the 10-day IL. Perdomo is back. Keston here has COVID, so uh, that's your transactional update. You're breaking news. You're on the Wisco Sports Show, sponsored by, um, I don't, we, we can get that sponsored. Or sales, or any salespeople listening, we got to get on that. Breaking news, we got to get that sponsored. We're starting to watch this team differently. We're not just watching for entertainment, but we're watching for potential. And what this team can do come postseason time. And I keep going back to this quote from Craig Council. Where he's like, playoff teams have to make tough choices. Playoff teams, you look in the dugout and you think, wow, that guy's not in the lineup. He's not starting today. And it's a point that David Gasper made. And it's a really, really astute one. When Lorenzo Cain and Avi Garcia are hitting six, seven. Rowdy Telez is hitting eight. And if Christian Yelich can come back, that's what blows my mind. If Christian Yelich, after all of this, can come back and play like the best version of himself, this Brewers team is terrifying. They're now the classic team in the category of, well, you don't want to see them in the playoffs. Right, which is the way of saying, they're not as good as the Dodgers, maybe not as good as the Padres, but man, I oh, I'd hate to draw them. They're still pretty good. Right, and if Christian Yelich can come back and give them anything, man, 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 man. man. Even if Keston Hira, that was kind of a bust this year, huh? Probably in the minors until next year. Probably. When we come back, I want to talk more NBA. At the very beginning of the show, we explained some financial things, some cap things. If you missed that, it's in the podcast. You can go find it after the fact. I want to talk about the Bucks and what happened in free agency yesterday in a little bit of a different way. That's coming up next. We'll also hear from Mercedes Lewis. Talk Jordan Love and Packers coming up at uh, coming up at 530. I got two songs going. Here you go. Now we dramatically fade out to music. More Wisco Sports Show coming up next. What a mess. I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. You okay, no, I'm not okay. okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Today's show's been fun. I love a show that's fun. I hate it when I come in here. Well, I love this job, so I, I love doing this show every day, but it's a little bit more tiresome. The days where I come in here, it's like, oh, God. I got to explain why the Packers lost to the Vikings. We're terrible. I got to talk about this player who suffered a injury and is going to be out for the rest of the year. Like, there are days where this feels like work. Still not really, because it's a totally fake job that I do. But there are days where it's like, I got to explain this. We got to talk about this, which is a bummer. Today, it's just fun. We're bouncing around topic to topic, talking about all these exciting storylines. We haven't even gotten to the Packers yet. We're an hour in. We've only done the NBA and the Bucks, and we've done Brewers. And we had our weekly conversation with David Gasper. Wasn't that just lovely? Love that dude. Read his stuff reviewing the brew. Follow him on Twitter at DGasper24. 
We're going to talk more about the NBA, the trade deadline here in a minute, or not the trade deadline. It's the baseball trade deadline, NBA free agency, because it's all happening at once. Everything's happening at one time. We're trying to react to it all. So I want to talk a little bit of Bucks, a little NBA, and then we'll get into Packers. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Welcome to join on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Let's go right to the phones. I'm sorry, I don't have your name. Who do I got? Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Hey, what's up, bud? This is Nick. Nick. Nick, how are you? Welcome. I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm just so amped about this Brewers team. It's fun to talk about them every day. I look forward to it. Yeah, man. I mean, I was just calling to to say your job gets really easy and fun here in the next three, four months with football starting, the Brewers being in contention, clearly great opportunity to win the division and make a deep postseason run with what they're establishing right now. I actually was calling to see, did you hear about this news about the Vikings? Uh, they released Jeff Gladney, first-round pick from a few years ago. He's entangled in some legal embattlements right now with domestic abuse. They just cut him. And Mike Zimmer is basically, without saying his name, calling out Kirk Cousins for, we need our starting quarterback to get this vaccine because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen if he's unvaccinated. We might not be able to have him play for half the season if there's weird COVID protocol, close contact things. So, man, it's setting up good for Wisconsin sports fans right now. I think Rodgers and Adams are going to be on a vengeance with the Packers, and they're going to run away with that NFC North. The Brewers are going to be a fun team to watch here down the stretch. And, you know, there's Badger football, and, oh, that's right, the Bucks are NBA champions so uh, yeah. your job's fun right now isn't it yeah it is well and you laid it all out there too and what if Graham Mertz makes charge for the Heisman then we're gonna have to have Zach Heilprin on we're gonna have to talk to Ben Kenny who produces Bill's show and does Locked on Badgers so we could be in the thick of it we might have to add another hour to the show we might have to go until seven or we might have to start at three here the, the the thing you bring up about the Vikings Nick and I'll ask you before I let you go you bring up the the beef between Zimmer and his quarterback and then uh, Jeff Gladney being released. Uh, which front office is having a worse time right now, the Packers or the Vikings? I, people are asking. People are wondering. I don't know. I think right now the, the Green Bay front office is happy. Yes. They got 12 back. And, you know, you take it after that, you just get through this season, you take it from there, and it can become extremely tumultuous again, and yeah. it will. But as of right now, clearly, 12 is committed I think the roster, nobody has expressed that they thought this offseason drama has negatively affected their opinion of the quarterback. And quite honestly, I mean, you can apply this to any profession. If you work with somebody that is on the absolute top of their game, every time they show up and punch in and they make your job easier, you can forget about a lot of stuff. I don't think there's going to be any weird grudges between Rodgers in this locker room. If anything, I think they're rallying behind him, and they know, hey, this is another Super Bowl opportunity for him, and this is obviously a Super Bowl opportunity for us because we get this guy leading the cart. So that's how I feel about all that. I think this Rodgers, especially the, the fans that seem to hate on him for being a diva, 
Mm-hmm. I think it's misguided. I think this guy was trying to make an impact and make a change. And I don't think people understand if they don't – go ahead and watch every interview he had with Pat McAfee last season and then go ahead and watch him again on Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays this season because I'm pretty sure that's happening. Mm-hmm. This dude is deep, and I don't think he cares about people in the middle of the state who absolutely despise him for being a diva. I think he knows who he is. He's confident in who he is, and he is deep, man, and he's motivated this year. I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll get off the horn so somebody else can get on. Thanks a lot, Grant. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for the call. You have a lot to tackle there. I just, You don't think he cares what uh what John and Toma has to say on his Facebook page? What? This is news to me. John and Toma or uh, – or Sam in Wisconsin Dells on Facebook saying, oh, this guy's a prima donna. No, Rogers doesn't care about that? Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I, there's a lot with Rogers. Let's just go to Rogers. Let's do the Packers. We'll, we'll do this. We'll start Packers a little bit earlier, and then we'll wrap up the show with Bucks at the very end because we got some Mercedes Lewis I want to get to, and I want to talk actually a little bit about Jordan Love coming up in 15 minutes. But let's do the Rogers thing because, Nick, you laid out a bunch of bullet points there that, that I want to get to. You said the Packers front office is happy right now. And, and I would tend to agree. Now, I'm sure there's things on their mind, like, oh, God, what are we going to do next year? Oh, God, what if this happens? Oh, God, what about this? But but here's the thing. Something that I love to say when I make poor choices, <laughs> when I mess up, I love to say that that's, that's a tomorrow Grant problem. That's a tomorrow me problem. I was up until, like, 2 a.m. last night. I just couldn't go to sleep. There's some things going on I was working on. And the whole time, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be stupid tired tomorrow. And I am. But that's a today me problem. That was not a last night grant problem. That was a today grant problem. Um, in your job, you probably experience this every day. I know I certainly do. Especially on days last week when the trade deadline happened. There was so much going on and I'm trying to follow it and get ready for my show. Right? You come into work with an idea. I have a to-do list of six or seven things I need to get done. Or maybe you have an actual job and it's like 10 to 20 things and you actually have responsibilities. Unlike me. And you come in and you get about halfway through the day and you're killing it. And then you start to tail off a little bit. And then 5 o'clock or 6 or whenever you're done, that time rolls around and you're leaving work and you're like, oh, I didn't get this and this done today. Uh, But I'm going home anyways (laughs) because that's a tomorrow me problem. And now, if my bosses are listening, I would never, you know, I'd stay here until 10 p.m. before I let one task go unaccomplished in my work day. Absolutely. I'd sleep here if I need to. I'd work 24 hours straight. Right? But I think that's the the MO that the Packers are using right now. It's like, look, next offseason – is going to be a mess. The cap next year is going to be a mess. But that's a 2022 Packers problem. That's not a today problem. That's a next year Brian Gutekind's problem. That's not a problem right now. And I think right now, the biggest point of emphasis, the biggest thing of importance for the Packers at this moment is that Aaron Rodgers is there and he's willing to play and he's willing to compete at the highest level. And I, I do think with Rodgers, if he's there, he's all in. If he's not all in, I think he's, he's, he's not showing up. Then he could sit out, or I think he would go about this a different way. When he made the decision that I'm going to come back and play for Green Bay, and it was very ceremonious. When was this? Like uh, two weeks ago? I remember it was just in the middle of the afternoon. It was uh, during the shareholders meeting when it when it was announced that Rodgers is coming back. I do think that announcement, albeit some random tweet from Ian Rappaport, I believe, I do think it carried with it some sort of importance. Like it was a ceremonious gesture, it was for appearances, but I also think it was important. That was a sign that Rodgers and his camp said, all right, I'm going to come back to Green Bay, and that means I'm all in. 
That doesn't mean that I'm going to come back and feel it out. That doesn't mean I'm going to come back and like, uh, we'll see how first month of the season goes. I think that was signifying I'm back and I'm all in for this year. Now, what happens next year? That's a different can of worms completely. That's, that's a next year Aaron Rodgers problem. We'll deal with that when it happens. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, if we come to it, right? So I think you're right about that, Nick. I think the Packers front office is happy. And Brian Gutekunst, in his press conference, asked about Randall Cobb. He's like, look, he wanted Cobb back. It's a big point of emphasis for our team right now is keeping our quarterback happy. And it's probably exhausting. You can probably relate it to a band manager of a rock band. It's like, man, God, these guys are a pain in the butt. And I'm running all over the country trying to make sure they get on stage and they play their gigs. But, hey, every night they go out on stage and play, I'm happy. Everything else is side noise. Everything else is a tomorrow me problem, right? Like, I I remember when the History of the Eagles documentary came out. This is a while ago now. And just learning a lot of what Irving Azoff dealt with. Not just for the Eagles, but he produced a lot of big acts. And I think still does. But, like, his only job was to get those bands on stage. To get the album done. To get the band on stage for the performance. So those tickets that were sold can be cashed in. So those records can be sold. Anything else? Okay. You guys want to mess around in the studio all the time? Okay, as long as the album's done. You guys want to party all night? As long as you're on stage the next day. All right, fine. I'm happy. And I think to some degree, Aaron Rodgers is a rock star and Brian Gutekunst is his manager. And there's a lot of important things to his job. Scouting, finding free agents, figuring out draft picks, right? Even the business side to a degree with Mark Murphy. All important parts of his job. But at the end of the day, if he can't get Aaron Rodgers out there happy on that field and playing at a high level, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's what matters. Now, come next year, salary cap's going to be disgusting. It's going to be a mess, which frustrates me because I thought we were being careful for the last couple of years so the salary cap didn't get into a mess and then it ended up getting into a mess anyways and you ultimately never got a like an all-in championship team. Some would probably argue with that logic, but that's the way I see it. I read a piece in The Ringer today by Rob Mahoney, who's one of my favorite NBA writers, and he was talking about NBA free agency and how Older stars are getting paid. Mike Connolly, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, all getting these big deals. In the case of Jimmy Butler, right, his deal is going to net him. Where's the contract here? His final year of this Supermax extension will pay him $51 million when he's 36 years old. And then the Heat doubled and tripled down by bringing in P.J. Tucker, which is something we talked about back at 4 o'clock. So the Heat going all in. The Jazz run it back with Mike Connolly. The Suns. Pay Chris Paul. Yeah, is it going to bite us in a couple of years? Sure, but right now we're going to try to win. And I want to read for you, for you, from this piece of the ringer, uh, Rob Mahoney. This is the the wrap-up at the end about these teams going all in. And I think, once again, it's hard to not watch the Bucks, not watch the Brewers, and apply it to the Packers, right? Here's the, 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 the wrap-up statement, if you will. The Heat are buying a contending window with disregard for what happens after it closes. Frankly, more teams should operate this way. There's a time for prudence, but too many franchises hide behind it, passing up opportunities to improve their rosters only to claim in defeat that they did everything that they could to win. This is what what it takes really looks like. You can't do everything. Oh, my God, I'm tripping over words. You can't do everything you can to win from the safety of an actuarial table, optimizing for cap flexibility. You can only do it by taking the plunge. Right now, I don't know if the Packers ever, quote-unquote, took the plunge Certainly not to the degree that the Saints did. I think what happened was the Packers were being prudent and being responsible for years and years and years. And then they brought in a couple of free agents, right? The Billy Turner, the Smith brothers, Adrian Amos. And they're like, okay, that's it. And then Rodgers 
created this whole mess and really forced their hand to bring the whole team back and to really go all in and to shred the salary cap, which just maybe should have been shredded in the first place. Maybe they should have acted with disregard for the salary cap three or four years ago, and maybe it would have netted him a championship or two. I don't know. We'll never know. And some probably more optimistic fans, some would argue more realistic, I would say more optimistic fans, would say, well, they did everything that they could have done the last couple of years. They went all in. They signed Zedarius and Preston Smith. Okay, well, then they turned around and drafted Jordan Love, which was neither a good choice financially, and it didn't sync up talent-wise with Aaron Rodgers either. So with every aggressive move the Packers made, it was like, oh, well, now we have to do this. We got to be careful. Well, you got, sometimes you got to take the plunge. The Heat are doing it. I don't think it's going to work out for them because I don't think the Heat are very good. And the Suns are doing it. I don't think it's going to work out for them because I don't think they're very good. None of those teams have an Aaron Rodgers type figure. The Bucks do. The Nets do. The Lakers do. Now it would be one thing for the Bears with Mitch Trubisky to say we're going all in. Or... The Colts now with Carson Wentz to say we're going all in. Carson Wentz, I don't think, to be very good. Now, if you have an MVP, it's a little different. The The Saints, love him or hate him, I'm not a big fan, but they realized what they had in Drew Brees and they went all in. It didn't work out, but they don't have any regrets. They traded an extra first-round pick for Marcus Davenport, for God's sake. <laughs> they did everything, and then some. It didn't work out. Oh, their salary cap is shredded. Well, so is the Packers. And I don't think the Packers can say we did everything we could have done, unlike some teams. Ultimately, I guess... All the teams end up in the same spot. Saints, Packers, both without championships. Let's take a break. I actually want to get into Jordan Love because he's not really a player we've talked about. Eric Stokes might be the least discussed first-round pick in Packers history because we're all obsessed with Rodgers and the injury recovery of Bakhtiari and Adam's contract. It's like, oh, yeah, they, they drafted this corner. Normally, we'd be obsessing over this guy. Is He's going to finally bring the defense to a, to a good level. We haven't talked about him at all. Uh, and we're still not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Jordan Love and what's going on with the Packers quarterback position. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. said the other day that we're not going to call Rodgers a diva. We're not going to use the word prima donna because that's the most overused thing ever. But I'm, I'm going to call this superstar athlete a diva. Max Scherzer is a diva and it breaks my heart because lacrosse lager forged with Midwest values here in the Northwoods League. I just got this report. Well, I didn't. I read this report from, from Bob Nightingale. It says Max Scherzer says he definitely wanted to go to a National League team and preferred warm weather. Max it's summer! I want to go where it's warm. Everywhere's warm. It's friggin' July. What is... God. If you want to call anyone a prima donna, let's, Max Scherzer, go ahead. Tee off on him, ladies and gentlemen, on the talk and text line. 608-796-2558. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Sorry, I uh, raised my voice. Sorry, I raised my voice. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, the talk and text line. Hit me up. We're digging deep into the Packers now. We're getting into it. Nick went there to start the 5 o'clock hour, and we're not slowing down, at least not until probably about 5.50. I do want to say a couple of things about the Bucks and what they did to open NBA free agency yesterday. No earth-shattering moves, very similar to the Brewers, but some sharp moves, moves that helped them, including retaining Bobby Portis, which I didn't think was going to happen. Thought he was going to go chase the bag somewhere else, get his money, and the Bucks were going to have to start over. Not the case. So we'll talk about that at about 5.50. I've seen a lot of reports from Jordan Love. 
the last two weeks. And we when we talked with Zach Heilprin on Friday, I said, how does Jordan Love look? Like, what gives, man? Like, let us know. Zach, I think, said inconsistent. It just kind of depends on the day, which is the worst. Because how are you supposed to write a story? How are you supposed to quantify what's going on with Jordan Love if day-to-day it's different, right? So how are we supposed to talk about a player? How are we supposed to report on a player? It just depends on the day. You wake up and you could get a different version of Jordan Love, right? So I get it. And I'm not sympathizing with reporters. Like, it's their job to, to find a way to write that story or write the story about somebody else. I'm just saying, for the sake of the show, too, how am I supposed to do a Jordan Love segment when I don't know what to say about Jordan Love? Some of the throws are amazing. Some are garbage. Duck. I believe I saw that word used to describe one of his throws yesterday on Twitter. Tom Silverstein, Journal Sentinel, had a tweet today that really made me laugh, and I will read it verbatim. Jordan Love took off scrambling several times in the last team drill. Hard to tell whether he's really good at it, but I suspect we'll find out in the preseason. (laughs) And I'm not mocking Tom at all. It's just this idea. It's this tweet that cracks me up. Man, he really likes to run. No clue if he's any good, but I guess we'll find out sooner or later. So funny. What the heck? What are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with Jordan Love? How are we supposed to talk about him? I don't know what to do with the training camp reports and tweets, so we're going to do something else. This is an exercise that I like to do uh, where I just Google somebody or some story or some team, and I just scroll through the headlines. What's going on? Take the temperature. So I Googled Jordan Love. Here are the headlines. This one from Packers.com. Three things. Linebackers, Jordan Love, Shandon Sullivan. Okay. Well, that's not very descript. Um, PackersNews.com. Eric Stokes looks to have a leg up on Josh Jackson in early cornerback battle. God, I hope. Uh, but then the second part of the headline, Jordan Love, wildly inconsistent. Okay, seems par for the course. Uh, this one from a blog called The Spun. Packers GM shares honest admission on Jordan Love pick. We're going to talk about that in a sec. Uh, Bleach Report, this same story. Packers GM, quote, wasn't a possibility to tell Aaron Rodgers about Jordan Love. So we're still doing that. All right. Talk about that in a sec. This one I like. Pro Football Talk. Mike Florio. If Jordan Love were ready to go, Aaron Rodgers would be gone. I don't agree with that for multiple reasons. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. Fan-sided Lombardi Ave. Packers. Reasons why we should believe in Jordan Love. The good days. Reasons why we should not believe in Jordan Love. Probably the bad ones. And they're a little bit of both, as I keep seeing inconsistent, inconsistent, inconsistent. And then uh, fantasy football. What to expect if Jordan Love starts in 2021. I'm not going there yet. Uh, nope, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about Jordan Love as a fantasy option. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. Two of these headlines that I want to dig into, let's start with the Mike Florio one because I think it's interesting. Pro football talk. If Jordan Love were ready to go, Aaron Rodgers would already be gone. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's correct. I think it's an interesting theory, but I don't think it holds water for a couple of different reasons. I'm going to read to you some of the parts of this article that I think are important to kind of paint the picture, and then I'll give you my reaction. The Packers have insisted on keeping Aaron Rodgers around for at least 2021 for one very simple reason. His replacement isn't ready. If Love were ready to go, Rodgers undoubtedly would be gone. The philosophical divide between Rodgers and the Green Bay front office remains, with the team viewing Rodgers as a mere employee and Rodgers believing he has earned greater consideration than that. I think this is really basic. I think this is really elementary. I don't think the only reason Aaron Rodgers is still there is because Jordan Love isn't ready. He's there because he just won an MVP. You don't just trade an MVP, especially one that's under contract for three more years, especially from a team that was a player or two away from making the Super Bowl. It can't be just as simple as Jordan Love isn't ready. And if they move on from Aaron Rodgers via cut, 
uh, they or a trade. It's a dead cap hit of $53 million bucks. $53 million bucks, according to Spotrack, which seems insanely high, but I checked that across a couple of other places, and that seems to check out. So Rodgers just won an MVP, under contract for three more years, dead cap hit of half a hundred million dollars, but, oh, Jordan Love isn't ready. That's why Rodgers is still here. I think when talking about Jordan Love, especially in relation to Rodgers right now, we need to realize that the pick was a miss. The Packers had an idea, they went for it, and they messed up. That doesn't mean that it can't work out down the line and that Jordan Love can't be good down the line. It's the same with Farvin Rodgers in 2008. It's complete revisionist history where we look back now through romantic green and gold glasses and we think, well, it worked out in 2008. No, it didn't. Fans were at each other's throats. I thought people were going to march on 1265 Lombardi and at Lambeau Field and Brett Favre should have taken the Vikings to the Super Bowl if the Saints wouldn't have been cheating. In what universe did that work out in 2008? It worked out two years later when Aaron Rodgers became good, and he is the Aaron Rodgers we know now, although that progression seems a little bit frustrated now given that the same quarterback that worked out from the last quarterback crisis is now the quarterback that the Packers are trying to run out of the building. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, it worked out. Aaron Rodgers became great. Yeah, now the Packers are trying to run him off too. Okay, so that argument doesn't hold that much water. Something to remember with Jordan Love. Another headline I want to talk about, and this is the one, Bleach Report has a piece, saw a couple of blogs. They're all referencing this report from Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, the Monday morning quarterback. And it was an interview and a quote directly from Brian Gutekunst about the failure to let Rodgers know that we're going to take quarterback. Or we could take a quarterback. The plans of the Packers in the 2020 draft probably up for interpretation. One might think they wanted Jordan Love all along. One could also think that they wanted other players. They weren't there. So they settled on Jordan Love, who was also somebody they liked, but maybe not their number one target. Okay? There's multiple ways to look at this. But either way, they had Jordan Love on their radar, and it was a possibility. You maybe let your quarterback know about that. They didn't. Here's the quote from Goody about failing to let Rodgers know that they were going to take Jordan Love. Hold on. Quite frankly, if that was even a possibility, I would have loved to do that. We didn't go into that draft thinking, hey, we're going to target this and do that. If that was the case, we probably would have done that. That wasn't reality. Would that have changed anything? I don't know if Aaron, with the issues he has, if that's really a part of it. But a player like Aaron in a situation like that would have loved to give him a heads up. But that's just the way this thing transpired. It wasn't a possibility. Okay, okay, okay. There's one line in here that's total BS. He said, um, we didn't go into the draft thinking, hey, we're going to target this and do that. Um, I hope that's a lie. You're telling me that you just rolled in just completely raw into your draft? It's like, all right, we'll see how this goes. That's how I handle my fantasy football drafts, and it's fun. If I'm a general manager of one of the few professional football teams on earth, and I'm the man sitting in that chair, maybe you read a draft guide. I don't know. Maybe you have a couple of names where you're like, hey, it'd be cool to get him. What do you mean? We didn't go into that draft thinking, hey, we're going to target this and do it. I hope that's not true. Hope you had some bit of a game plan, Brian. So I I read that part of the quote. I'm like, okay, well, now you're just, you're talking out your butt. I do buy into some of this, however, this idea that they weren't focused on Jordan Love with a laser. I do think the Packers went into this draft and they like Justin Jefferson and they like Brandon Ayuk. And I think we like to think that the Packers liked Kenneth Murray, the linebacker who went 23rd, but they were never going to draft a linebacker in the top 30 and they probably never will. But Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk, I get it. And there were some other players in the mid-20s, maybe Jalen Rieger, TCU, 
Like I said, Kenneth Murray was the the linebacker from Oklahoma. They probably would have taken the center, Cesar Ruiz. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Like, a lot of these names I'm sure they were interested in. I can't believe the Raiders took Damon Arnett 19th. What a bunch of jamokes. But CeeDee Lamb was floating around there. Right? There were players that were around that neighborhood, right above the Packers. If they wanted to jump up and take one, they could have. But it never really happened. The door was never really open to get up there. So Justin Jefferson's off the board. And then Brandon Ayuk is off the board. And then the Packers are left. Will you take Patrick Queen? Of course not. He's a linebacker, so we're not going to do that. Do we take Jordan Brooks? No, another linebacker. We can't do that. We could take Jeff Gladney. The Vikings did that. Packers wisely did not. So they're like, okay, we take Jordan Love. We buy a lottery ticket, and maybe it pans out big time down the road. But if Jordan Love is an option for you at 26 and you trade up to make sure you get him, that means you've done your homework on him and you've looked at Jordan Love, and he's at least on your radar, which means he should be on Aaron Rodgers' radar too. Sorry. And if you're listening, Grant, oh, it's Rodgers' job to play, and he doesn't need to be involved. Okay, well then, sorry. I can't help you. But that's not how sports work in 2021, and that's not how the Packers can operate in 2021. Otherwise, they're going to alienate Every star player, Adams will leave, Rodgers will leave, and then other teams and other players will see that, and they won't want to come here, and, you know, on and on it goes. That's not how sports work in 2021. You might not like it, but I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm telling you the reality. Let's take a break. Come back. I want to hear from Mercedes Lewis. Some audio sent to us by our friend Mike Clements. It's a really cool press conference, and I learned a thing or two. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two from Mercedes Lewis. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. The talk and text line 608-796-2558. Chuck, Chuck, thank you for the text. Chuck asks, Grant, did the Bucks pull back a PJ Tucker offer yesterday? His Instagram post made it seem like he was surprised that he's leaving. I think he was surprised that he's leaving. I don't know if it's because the Bucks pulled back an offer. I, I don't know. I think if the Bucks were pulling back an offer, it would have been because they want to use that money elsewhere, which they obviously haven't done. The Bobby Portis contract wasn't really contingent on the P.J. Tucker contract. Okay, really quick explanation, Chuck, about how all this works because it's it's complicated. The Bucks could have paid P.J. Tucker any sum of money necessary to keep him because P.J. Tucker had been under this current contract for three or more years, which means that the Bucks hold the bird rights to P.J. Tucker. So the Bucks can pay P.J. Tucker as much as they want without it counting against the luxury tax. They can't do that with other players, but with P.J. Tucker specifically. It was the same with Brogdon a couple of years ago and same with Middleton. So for the Bucks to let P.J. Tucker go, it was almost like an extra strong admission of, no, we don't want you. Because the Bucks had the rules in their favor. The Bucks had the circumstances favoring them to bring him back, and they still didn't do it. Like, they had a head start to bring him back, and they still didn't do it. Now, I think it's just fine because he's 36 and his calling card is defense and physical play, which doesn't lend itself well to older NBA players, of which P.J. Tucker is one. He's also an offensive zero, which is fine in this postseason because they played against the Heat, who were terrible on offense. And then the Nets lost Kyrie and Kevin or, uh, and James Harden. And then the Hawks just weren't very good, and the Suns weren't an offensive juggernaut, really, once they figured out how to take away everyone but Booker. P.J. Tucker was okay. They could live with him with his offensive rebounding and his leadership to get him over the top this year. Moving forward, they can't do that. They can't have a limited option like P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup, and Dante's coming back anyway, so so perfect. 
I'm just fine. Let him go. The only reason to, to match or to pay more than the Heat, which is two for 15, the only reason would have been to keep him is to have that money on your books to match in a potential trade. But if you're an opposing team and you're trading a superstar to Milwaukee, I don't want P.J. Tucker in return. So that money doesn't spend in my eyes. So good. Let him go. Yeah, it, it stinks. It's a big part of a championship run. But I'm I'm glad the Bucs didn't. If the Bucs would have spent $50 bucks over two years for 36-year-old P.J. Tucker, I wouldn't have felt great about it. It stinks that he had to go, but what are you going to do? He'll go play a role in Miami as Iguodala did, where he's good for like a month, and then he gets really old, and then the Heat are saddled with that contract. So better the Heat than the Bucks. Wisco Grant on Twitter. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers. And it's interesting that Chuck brings up P.J. Tucker because P.J. Tucker is a leader. He's also this intangible stuff, locker room guy. You can't deny that. So I thought we'd talk about another leader, another guy who's very similar, Mercedes Lewis. The difference is in the NFL, there's a lot more room for leadership guy on the NFL roster because that is 53 men. The NBA is 15, I think only a small portion of which can actually be active for a game or, or need to be active for the game, right? Mercedes Lewis is also a great blocking tight end who has a great connection with a three-time MVP quarterback, which, as Nick brought up earlier this hour and I expounded upon, really the number one mission for Brian Gutekunst right now is to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Oh, you got to trade for Cobb? Oh, fine. Oh, you got to blow up next year's salary cap? Oh, God, fine. Right now, today, Aaron Rodgers is the emphasis of your organization. And what comes next? That's a future Packers problem. And maybe if you would have been a little bit better in the last decade and done some things a little more smartly and then maybe more aggressively, we wouldn't be in this pickle, but we are. So lay in the bed that you made, and they are laying in that bed right now. But there's a lot more room on the roster for Mercedes Lewis than there would be for P.J. Tucker on the Bucks, especially given how these contracts are working out. Now, we have a little audio of Mercedes Lewis, and I'm excited to share this with you. This audio courtesy of uh, our friend Zach Heilbrand. With this Wisconsin no, Sports Zone. No. Sorry, Zach. This was Mike Clements our Packers insider on the Wisconsin Sports Network, Zach. Slacking, Zach. Tisk, 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 Got a big head on the show last week, Zach. Zach and I had a fun conversation last Friday. You should check it on the pod if you haven't heard it. But no, this audio, not from Zach, uh, who is, of course, doing his job. Zach is amazing. But um, Mike Clements actually sent me this audio yesterday, and I wanted to share some of you with it. First topic of conversation with Mercedes Lewis, or Big Dog, as Rogers calls him. He's 37 which means he's 15 years older than a lot of rookies. And that age difference is something that I think Mercedes Lewis is handling really well. Don't know if I could say the same for Rogers, but Mercedes Lewis seems to have a good head on his shoulders about it. I'm just 37. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. I think for me, I like to put it in perspective. Um, I live my life like I'm on a one day contract, you know, and I put things in perspective and see things for what they are. Um, you know, camp is a necessary evil. Uh, you build your calluses for war. And uh, I learned how to compete at a very young age. And, um, you know, it's something that I, I still look forward to and, and that I love to do. So, you know, it's easy for me to, uh, you know, come in here and give all I got for the amount of hours that I'm here and uh, try to get better at something every day. I like that perspective. I think Aaron Rodgers sees players come and go. And now he's 15 years older than the rookies. Not quite. I think he's what, 14 years older, 13 years older. Big age difference. And I don't know that Rodgers handles it very well. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on, like, the personal side of Aaron Rodgers. But I get the sense that he's seen all his buddies leave, and it's, it's not sitting well with him. Like, the old man at the nursing home, all his buddies are kicking the bucket, and he's left sitting out in the social room playing canasta by himself. Like, he's not handling it well. Mercedes Lewis... 
seems to have a pretty good perspective on it. Figures it out. Maybe that'll rub off on Rodgers over the course of the next couple of weeks. I don't know. Here's Mercedes Lewis talking about the type of leader he is and what he brings leadership-wise to the Packers. To be quite honest, I'm not a rah-rah guy. Like, I don't, I'm not in a locker room like, hey, guys, just doing, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, I try to lead by example. I'm always where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, doing what I'm supposed to be doing on the field. Uh, when the coach turned on the film, he know what he's getting out of 89. You know, like, I, you don't have to worry about where I'm going to be. And I think that kind of leads into... You know, if I see if something needs to be said, I'll say it. And they know that I'm not talking a lot. So when I do, I mean it and they understand it. And it's always coming from a good place. And that's something that's always come pretty natural for me. You know, not only just being a leader, but being being a good leader, you know, and, and leading from the front. We're grown men. You can tell somebody's like BSing you. You know what I mean? Or you can tell when somebody's like talking just so the coach can hear you. You know, I think every year has just always been about getting better and, if you're doing it from a good place, uh, it's received well. There was a line tucked in there that I really liked where he said, you don't have to worry about where I'm going to be. I think that's huge. I don't know if it plays into leadership as much, although if you're leading by example, it's a great way to lead by example. But when a player says, you don't need to worry about where I'm going to be, don't worry about me. I got my stuff figured out. I think that's huge. And think of it in terms of your job. Now, I don't know what you do for work, but I bet this is applicable to like 99% of people. If you have people that work under you, at any level, even if it's interns, even if you're the bottom rung at the company, like me, and you have people who work under you, even if they're just interns who just, like, I don't know, take out the trash or whatever, you know that there are some employees under you that when they're working, you can relax. You don't need to watch your phone. You don't need to be ready to drive into the office at a moment's notice because you know that they got it covered. They got it handled. You don't have to worry how they're going to be, what they're going to do. You don't have to worry. And then you know that there are people who work under you where it's like, oh, that person's working today. Oh, I know it's Sunday, but I better watch my phone. Chances are I'm going to have to go into the building because God knows they don't have it figured out. Right? I think that's really important in the context of a normal workplace, but also for an NFL team too. And I think that was the part, the part of that answer that jumped out to me most. Here's something that's interesting I didn't expect. Mercedes Lewis said he stayed in touch with Rodgers throughout the offseason. You know, we friend. only go, we probably, the most we went without talking was like a couple weeks. Uh, when he was in Hawaii and, and traveling and doing his thing. But, um, you know, we've grown close over the last three and a half years. Um, he's somebody that I respect and, you know, really care for. And I think, you know, his perspective on life and, um, you know, how he goes about his business is, is similar to um, how I feel and the energy that I want to put in the world when I get up in the morning too. So, you know. You know, it's been a blessing for us to be able to connect and, and try to lead this team to hopefully get a championship this year. I love that way of thinking, right? Thinking of every day when you wake up, it's like the energy that I want to put out into the world today. Because I think of how many people you come across, even if it's briefly, people you interact with, even just at the store or like your place of work or your family, you are giving out energy. You were putting off signals all day long, Indir- you know, on purpose or, or just kind of subconsciously. Because that's how we are. We bump in, we interact with each other, we're always communicating. I find that way of thinking really interesting. I don't know. I feel like I could talk about that for 10 minutes. Think of every day when you wake up, the energy that you want to put out into the world. That's interesting. I'm a fan of Mercedes Lewis. This struck me. Mercedes Lewis talking about how he's a little concerned with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. You know, whatever he was going through personally, mentally, you know, to sort through those things and take the necessary time to do that. I think, you know, often... 
people outside that aren't in our position that, you know, have never felt the fire, the scrutiny, the criticism, they're going to feel a certain way, right? And, um, you know, he mentioned it, you know, about the, the mental health aspect of it. Like, that's huge, you know? And I think part of what I've been able to do uh, for so long is because of uh, my mental fortitude and how I've been able to, uh, in a way, stand my zone, right? And never getting too high or too low and just just always being solid. And I think, you know, for him to do it the way he did, um, not be loud about it, you know, obviously, I think everybody was nervous, right? Um, even me being close to him, there was times where we didn't even talk ball, we just talked life. That was more so just to kind of put things in perspective because, you know, we'd have to be ready for whatever might happen. You know, we're here now, <laughs> and I'm happy that, it, you know, it is this way, so... I don't want to spend too much time talking about what if. Didn't talk about ball. We were just talking about life. I can hear that phone conversation. You know, pick up the phone. Oh, hey, Aaron, how's life? How's the family? Ah, uh, uh, never mind. How's, the, uh, how's life? <laughs> Sorry. I'm kidding. Kidding. His personal life is his personal life. It's not meant for us to joke about. It's low-hanging fruit. What am I supposed to do? I'm tired. Show's almost over. We only got 10 minutes left. Am I supposed to not make that joke? Come on. Lighten up! Finally, this is just a funny sequence that kind of wrapped up the press conference. Uh, some reporter, and I don't know which one, I couldn't recognize the voice, asked Mercedes Lewis, do the young players uh, realize how good you were as a pass catcher back in Jacksonville? They respect you? Nah, I mean, I don't think so. And I, and I feel like because I was playing when, when the TVs, when the clarity was bad, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even have no highlights on YouTube. So it, no social media, no nothing, but... I do have film, though. You could definitely look me up. Um, I was talking to Devontae the other day uh, at the house, and, uh, you know, we, we'll be watching film together and just talking about mindset. We were pulling up some of my past clips from all my receptions and stuff like that. And he was like, bro, it's crazy. Like, I feel like some of the dudes on the team don't even know you, you really used to get it in like that. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's when I was in my prime. He's like, nah. He's like, you're just in a different prime now. You know, that meant a lot coming from him because – you know, we share a similar mindset as far as how we work and how we're going to attack today. I guess that's really what it is, you know. I'm definitely aging gracefully, appreciative of still having the opportunity to live out my dream. Uh, I still love it when I wake up in the morning, so take it one day at a time. It's pretty good perspective. I guess that's how you last in the league for 16, 17 years. That's nuts. Playing a physical position, too. It's funny to hear him joke about himself. I see a text on the talking text line from Surveyor Sam about Packers wide receivers. You know what, Sam? That sounds like a perfect finishing conversation. That'll be the last eight minutes we do. Let's talk about Packers wide receivers and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.